Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Betfair's Weighed In podcast. Of course, we are in the aftermath of the Grand National, the most famous race of them all. And this year, more than ever, there is a lot to discuss. The good, the bad and the ugly, quite literally, will be discussed on this show. A lot to get through and some pretty serious topics as well. I am joined, as I always am, by Kevin Blake, Brendan Duke and Tony Calvin. Kevin? the saving voice of racing at the moment. You've really put your head above the parapet and got stuck in this week. How are you coping over there in Golden? Um, not sure, Grand Jeff, Vanessa. You know, when when the when the battle is on, you need soldiers. So yeah, happy to happy to lob in if I can. And TC, it's been a very good week for you in terms of punting. You've put, tipped up a good few winners on Racing Only Better across the Aintree three days. So you must be in good form. Yeah. Gave, it, gave a bit back on Saturday, but just come out with our heads in front, which is all you can ask for. And Brandon, I believe you were over in Aintree. How did you enjoy your trip to Liverpool? Very enjoyable. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lovely city and uh, a beautiful uh, racetrack. I, I did the Hipsters Grand National Festival. I went to the first two days and not the Grand National itself, but uh, it was still very enjoyable. Okay, well, I saw, um, you, I saw you trying to get in on a ladder, I think, wasn't it? But you couldn't uh, stop, yeah. stop. Um, let's get pink, pink looks lovely on you, Brendan. <laughs> Brendan, why don't you just play like normal people, Brendan? Come on, <laughs> um, let's get stuck straight into the Grand National itself and all that went with it because, as I said, there is so much to discuss here. Um, carnage before the race in terms of the protesters from the animal rising group um lots of you out there will have seen the footage of course carnage in the race itself really on the first circuit of course we all know now that we sadly lost hill 16 sandy thompson's runner at the first fence and thoughts obviously with that horse's connections that's a big loss to that yard um but where to begin here? I think we'll start with Brendan. I mean, when you're watching the protesters protest in the manner that they did, it went from peaceful protesting to some pretty irresponsible behaviour, I think it's fair to say. What were your thoughts before the race? What were you thinking? <coughs> well, I was annoyed, I, I, obviously, uh, that, they, that, that they had such an impact. I mean, I suppose from, from their point of view, they're just thinking about publicity. So they did a good job. In, 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 if they're having their entry review today, as we're having our entry review, they would probably say, uh, good job, got plenty of publicity, uh, put some bodies on the line, got some people arrested. Uh, that, that all went well. Lessons will have been learned, as we know, Vanessa, of course, with all of these things. And they'll, they'll come back fitter, faster, stronger next year, which will be um, equally annoying. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I, I was sad to see it. I thought the police did a good job. I, I, I didn't think that any of them would get over the fences, in fairness, but a few did. And I suppose it's so difficult in this day and age for the authorities because they can't be too heavy handed. So a few managed to get through, but then they dealt with them when they got through. I thought um, I thought both sides would be happy with the performance, but obviously, I, 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 just from a, a personal point of view, I, I don't like to see any protests at racing. And TC, the race itself, as I mentioned, uh, pretty tough viewing from any point of view, whether you're pro-racing, anti-racing, whichever way you look at it. I don't think that race, as a lover of the sport, it'd be hard to come out of it saying that it was an enjoyable watch by anyone's standards. But that is the national, and that is what we have signed up to support in our great game. But again... What were your takeaways, I guess, from this year's race, watching it yourself personally? Um, a couple of weeks ago, I said, you know, as a tipster, you want to get through Cheltenham, having got, got to the end of it without having much damage and, you know, coming out of it flat from a, from a betting point of view. I think when we watched the Grand National was, you know, people in the industry and um, I just think you want to get to the end of that race without any horror stories and without any news stories you know you don't want that race to be transferred to the the front pages of the papers because you know it's it's not going to be a good news story um and you know it's from that perspective uh, for that perspective 
you know, it failed for, from an industry point of view. My, some of the main, well, well, we'll go into it in more depth as we go through the different topics, but my main takeaway was it could have been a hell of a lot worse. I mean, obviously, a lot of unseated horses. I think we, I think on the track, we got away with it. Uh, I think off the track with the protesters, uh, protesters trying to get in, very much like their their, their editorial uh, on the radio and TV beforehand, they just seemed totally ill-prepared uh, and, and unprepped. And you just think if, if they had got their act together from, um, you know, fr- from, you know, attacking the course and trying to get on there, you'd have thought that, you know, given the expanse of ancient, you'd think that they could have even done a, 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 more, a better job if they were more organised. So in some respect, it was... It wasn't a good advert for the sport in any respect, but my overriding feeling was we may have even got away with uh, got away with one here because you know it's it was sorry viewing you know on and off the track. Yeah, very much so, and I think like you say, it, it definitely could have been worse. Um, Kev, I think you know TC summarised it there when you turned off the TV on Saturday afternoon despite the fact that and we will obviously cover the winner and Corrick Rambler and that story. Obviously that was a great story and had a feel good factor around it. The sun was out, there was packed grandstands, there was ITV racing giving it all. Despite all those positives, it felt like a bad day for our sport. It felt like a really bad day for our sport. Um, I, I disagree. Um, I okay. think we're looking at this from inside the tent. Um, and I was the same um, after the first fence. Now the race was very flat for me because when when you know what you're looking at, you 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 knew what happened in that first fence immediately. Um, and then we had you had the carnage of the canal turn, and it, I was watching it with, with my wife, and you could tell like the the it, it was you know the the, the joy yeah. was gone out of it as such. But we were in the tent. We know what we're looking at. You know, bear in mind like there's there's I don't know how how real the number is, but everyone wheels it out. Five hundred million supposed to be watching this race. Um, and for them, most of them are once a year viewers. Like I'd imagine most of them tune in, like I tune into a Formula One race. I watch the first couple of bends and then turn off, you know, in case something happens, you know, and that, that might be a slightly morbid thing to, 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 to say when you're dealing with, you know, living and breeding animals as we know they are. But, you know, for a wider audience, you know, it's a Grand National that had thrills and spills. The favourite one, a couple of fancied horses finished in the frame. Like I, I don't. I, I think we we can be sometimes guilty of drawing ourselves into a into unnecessary insecurity. Um, I would suspect the vast majority of people that watch that race wouldn't have been as of as as flat as we were. You know, you know. I think we need we need to separate that. You know, we're we're inside the tent, but there's a huge, huge, vast majority of people outside the t- our tent watching this race. So. Um, look, it, it, it was a mess. I'd echo what the lads have said in terms of the protest. Did I believe they would be, they really wanted to disrupt the race? I didn't. I thought this was about uh, almost a staged sting, get them loads of front page, get them loads of um, publicity, which they got all last week, then maybe make a token effort to do something for the cameras and leave it at that and go home happy. Like they had a real go. Um, I believe I'm told that like there were six times as much police um, on duty to defend Daintree essentially than there would have been in a normal year. God would imagine the, the mail on Sunday hadn't successfully um, infiltrated and stung um, and, and revealed their plans. Like the, the race wouldn't have happened. You can guarantee it. If that same body of people did put in that same effort and they took everyone by surprise, you know, 50, a hundred of them would have got on the track and, and chained themselves to fences or whatever they were doing. And the race couldn't have happened. You know, imagine that, imagine talking about mm. that today. Um, so we were really fortunate in that sense that that we did avoid one a 15 minute delay as as um, inconvenient and potentially disruptive to the horses as it was. Um, the, you'd take it because that that was a serious assault on our sport by a crowd that I have absolutely no question whatsoever could not care less about horse racing. It's not on their agenda. You know these are these are militant vegans that want to yeah. change the world massively you know in terms of the way we we deal with animals the way we you know the agriculture business like the the horse racing the grand national for them is just a means to get their name out there and um by god they've succeeded um but yeah look like you say loads loads to to hammer through but that that was kind of my main takeaways i'm with you i didn't enjoy the race 
but we can't lose sight of the fact of how how broad it is in terms of the audience and an awful lot of the, those people watching are tuning in for carnage um as right or as wrong or, or as that is i'd say that's a big reality you know yeah so what i mean it's funny you say that against the vast majority of people comment because I, a friend of mine actually watched the race, watched the race uh, with a, a woman from America who'd never watched the Grand National before. She'd been in her 30s, never watched the Grand National before. She watched it and apparently it, she was just like, couldn't believe that something like this goes on in the modern world. You know, she was watching it through like through her hands and her heart was beating, she said, it is so fast. And the whole thing, there was a thrill in it, but she couldn't believe that this sort of thing still happens in 2023. Now, that's yeah. one person's view, but I found that quite yeah. interesting insight that someone has sat and watched it and was just basically like, what the hell was that? And yeah. it makes- like, look, we, we have a very complex relationship with this race, Vanessa. We really do, because like this, it, it isn't it isn't as simple as you like it or you don't. You know, there would be a whole raft of people inside the tent listening to this now that love racing and would go to war for racing, but they wouldn't go to war for the Grand National. The Grand National makes them a bit uncomfortable because we know that it's it's our biggest shop window for the sport, like a, a shop window that would be the envy of most sports in, in, in terms of the, the profile and size of it. But we also know that it is our riskiest race. You know, the yeah. fatality rate is the highest. It's it's five times that of the uh, of of overall racing. And while it is still only one in a hundred, we all know as soon as the tapes go up. The, the realities of, of what could be in front of us. And that's a very uncomfortable feeling for, for a lot of people that love the game. Yeah, absolutely. Brendan, are you worried for the Grand National after this renewal, after Saturday? Are you worried going forward for the race? Do you think we should be worried? Not particularly. I, I, I'd be interested to see the reaction. There seems to be a, a real groundswell of support uh, to cut the numbers uh, from 40 to 30 and in fairness I mean, it's certainly not impossible uh, that, that that when the authorities look at this they will do that because they have made such dramatic changes to the race and I suppose I'm always struck by, by when I watch it of how good a job they've done in terms of the race is completely different the fences are completely different they've made it infinitely safer and yet it looks like nationals of yesteryear, even to my trained eye, it looks pretty much uh, like, like mm. a grand national. So it's a good trick they pulled off. And I suppose if you did reduce the numbers from 40 to 30, it would make it safer again. I wouldn't necessarily be in favour of, of, of that now, um, because I, I know yourself and Kevin were uh, uncomfortable watching the race. I enjoyed the race. I enjoyed the grand national. I enjoyed the jeopardy, but all the loose horses running around, around the track. It is thrilling, as, as, as your friend, albeit she was watching through her her. her her, her hands she still watched it's a thrilling spectacle um and 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 I, I i did enjoy the race so i i would leave it as it is but i suspect what they will do is they will cut it from uh 40 runners to say 30 runners or something which mm. it, it, again in a sense it, it is a shame because part of the appeal of it i mean there's no doubt you have to say that the grand national does have a a, a place in the, the affection of the british sporting public um, and, and you mentioned about it being a shop window and maybe one of the things is that as happened this year connections who are lower down the uh, racing food chain get their day in the sun of Lucinda Russell and Derek Fox the horse is owned by a syndicate and it's a race where that can happen by its nature big field handicap etc so that only adds to the narrative people love it when uh, the lesser lights get get their day in the sun. So I, I, I think the I think the race is still in uh, in a reasonable place, and I would leave it where it is. But my hunch is, given what's happened over the last few years, they will probably do something about the number of runners. We got excellent questions this week, and predominantly, obviously, all to Tony, but um, a lot of them on the Grand National, and a good few people bringing up that question, TC, about whether the numbers should be reduced going forward. Joel mentioned that, Andrew Lord also mentioned that, and Damien Wright, so various people suggesting the numbers cut. Um, do you think going forward, TC, I've got two questions for you. Going forward, do you think the there are changes Im- imminent now? And is it this off the back of this year? Or do you think it, it's still an evolving process and changes would have come anyway? Um, sure answer is I don't know. Um, we obviously, we've got the Topham. That's a 30-runner race. So 
they might look at that and thinking reducing the numbers is the way to go. Uh, that will meet opposition from trainers, as we've seen from Nicky Henderson and the like. And I think in, in a lot of respects, the trainers are probably the worst, you know, the worst people to ask about this uh, because, you know, you have to step back away from it. But the argument they will put forward is if you reduce it from 40 to 30 and you, you'll get fatalities in the coming years, then what's the logical conclusion? It's mm-hmm. just the whip debate, number bait all over again, isn't it? So, yeah. I'm not sure that will happen. Um, I mean, maybe, you know, when you when you hear about really heavy ground staying races, um, you know, the, the the Welsh National, for example, you always get um, you always get feedback from from the people going to the jockeys and say, look, it's attritional out there. It's borderline raceable. Just take it easy a bit. And maybe the jockeys are caught up in in the hype of it going going full blaze early doors as well. Maybe they maybe should they could pull, but then again, everyone wants to get a prominent position. So that is that not feasible? But I think I think if you're talking about lessons to be learned, I think from Saturday, um I mean, I'm not being overly critical here, uh, because it was a evolving situation, it was like pretty much chaos. I think the tone of the coverage could have been could have been a, a, a bit less. I think um, I think the, the BHA uh, should be answering questions about you know the rush the, the rush start of it from from when it was like when it was back on after the fifteen minute delay. Let's get them down there, etc. Um, the Sandy Thompson comments that will come to. We had a brilliant question, uh, you know. It's all it's it's just about the the prep and uh, for the big race. We had a great question again. It's not only just jo- uh, the, check the horses all right, check the jockeys all right. We had a brilliant question about Paul Townend because um, he had a re- obviously he had a fatal fall. Uh, he, he he had a fall on on Dark Raven, and unfortunately lost lost that one's life as well. Um, you know whether that a ride on that horse was was he a bit careful on that because he wasn't. You know, he wasn't fully fit as well. I think I think there's loads of questions to ask. I think the rush start after the after the delay. Uh, I think there's questions to be asked there, but nothing comes out to me as being one logical or two obvious about what you do to to actually make the race more palatable. Because, like I said, if if you get a thirty runner race. You, you know, you might be just a you know a shade of shade odds against that you won't get another fatality as bad as that sounds. So uh, I don't know. I, I just think they'll ha- obviously they'll have a look at it. What conclusions they come up with, I'm not so sure. But uh, I do think uh, there's maybe questions to be asked about the rush start, getting the horses down there um, uh, on Saturday. But it hopefully it's a one-off scenario. But I just think with Royal Ascot and especially Epsom coming up, I mean, mm. Epsom's a bit of a gimme, isn't it? If, if you are looking to disrupt a big race, Epsom is with that public right away and that middle ground. I mean, you, yeah. you'll, you'll need an army to defend that. Yeah. As in, uh, my, my second question to you was about the coverage on ITV, but you've kind of already touched no, on it. But, but I just think, you know, there was some criticism uh, of some individuals, but... I was watching it, but there was so much going on. I wasn't really listening to the language involved. But I just think when you get protests like this, I think if you're more conciliatory in your language, and I understand what they're coming out with, and, you know, Ed was criticised by saying, he's coming out with something like, you know, there's there's danger in Formula One as well and things like that. I mean, I, I didn't hear that myself, but I've heard that reported by two or three other people. But I'd give anybody a pass in that in that kind of situation. We could all... We can all do. We can all do. Yeah, well, well, yeah. One, one thing I'd say, like, is that 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 not everyone would have an insight into. Like, it is you can't imagine the mayhem that would have been going on in their ears, um, yeah. in their talkback while that situation was unfolding. You know, with everyone trying to work out what's happening, cameras shooting around everywhere. Like, it would have been uh, as professional as they are. It would have been absolute mayhem, and it's. Uh, I'd forgive anyone in, in that situation. I, and I, I thought they did, did they did a grand job. You know, it was it was probably you could tell McCoy now was was probably on the edge of going absolutely nuts and, and speaking very directly about what he thought about what was going on. But he 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 kept the lid on. Um, but that in those situations, I wouldn't envy that on, on anyone. That that's that's as testing as it gets from a broadcaster's point of view. 
Yeah, I can see that. Um, so we want to look forward as much as anything in this situation. We all know full well that the risk of the national and horses jumping fence in general isn't going anywhere. That's a risk that we as sport, as the lovers of the sport, are willing to take on because of what the sport gives back. We think it's a risk worth taking. Um, and we're all, you know, there's a lot of profiling of how well treated horses are in our industry. For me personally, that's got absolutely nothing to do with the risk factor in terms of horses falling. That's not the issue here. The issue remains that we live in an evolving world where attitudes are changing and we need to move and change with the times. So what what next, Kev? Because people are becoming less and less comfortable with horses being used for sport in the high octane way that we ask them to be used in our game. So what can we do now to help people understand and educate where do we go from here to take steps forward because there's a huge there's a huge clutch of people who don't have an opinion on the national we're hearing the extremes right there's a huge clutch of people who have no opinion on the national we're not going to change the minds of the extremists so we need to focus on changing and educating the minds of the people who currently don't have a view because they're the the, the the floating voters yeah yeah so they're the blank campus. So what can we do for that? Um, like it's, it's really tricky because look, the Grand National. We can talk um, specifically about the Grand National, but the thing is, is this time of year when when this debate and this discussion starts happening, you quickly move off the Grand National and you're on to horse racing as a whole. So yeah. like we need we need to be aware that even if you are one of those people that loves horse racing, but isn't that fond of the Grand National? Like you need to be aware that the Grand National like is the front line of the wider battle we're facing. Um, so you, you need to be cognizant of that. And it's tricky because look, every I I, I suppose the statistically um uh, the statistical um focused side of my brain will say, well, look, we've had 10 renewals of this race since they um changed the fences, and six of those in a row were fatality free. Like Saturday wasn't notably different um from those. So are we in danger of, of making rash decisions based on a small sample if we do act? But it isn't quite as simple as that because we can't we can't afford to wait 20 years to get a nice more robust sample to see to see what it's all about you know we're dealing with with, with finer margins than that um so look if they do go about it and tackle it um look field size is one that gets mentioned look i i, I when they originally proposed it look i know look i know it it is a factual fact as a great man once said that um fallers are co- are car- correlated with field size bigger to field more to fallers that's a fact across the whole population but I, I would have a little concern about it in the context of the grand national in that like the grand national is different to other chases in a number of ways but um like really when you're talking about field sizes you're talking about congestion and in the grand national they generally like fan to a way greater extent than they do in 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 orthodox mm-hmm. handicap chases like if you watch an irish grand national with 30 runners like they're far more congested than they are, than they are in the grand national um throughout the race so i'm slightly i'm slightly wary of that but at the same time if you reduce the field by by 25% which is what the, the the main suggestion is you know less runners reduces the likelihood of some of something happening um so i can see the sense in that i, I now it, it may be silly I, I i can't recall if it was considered um back in the last review but is there any case to be made for um like really heavily watering you know watering down to soft ground mm-hmm. um at at the least um if nature isn't doing it for you because i i think a softer ground national and it might seem counterintuitive but i think a softer ground ground national is generally a kinder ground national um you get you get more pull-ups um like the they do get a bit more spaced out if there are falls there is a bit more natural cushion there that that could be misguided i'm just throwing it out there as a potential um as a potential option that they might consider um and look the bha and the jockey club will have a whole lot more um you know detailed and pertinent data than we have with, with a view to potentially making some changes but look if they do i'm not going to knock them I'm not going to knock them at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you, we have a lot of traditionalists in the game that resist change all the way along. But look, lads, the Grand National is lost already. You know, you, you know, we're 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 so far from what Red Rum was tackling that I, I don't think the traditionalists should really be getting too wound up. You know, they, they've lost their battle. I'm afraid um, for mm-hmm. 
Um, and if there are more adjustments to come, I think we need to um, be aware of, of the greater good uh, of this being a safer race for, for the wider sport all the way down through other jump racing, down to flat racing and everything else, because this is our shop window. This is our front line uh, and we need to get it right. Brendan, how would you educate going forward the numbers that we know behind our industry the numbers we need to get out there we need to get out on the front foot for those sort of floating voters this huge silent majority that is currently as i say the the ones with the blank canvas that we could you know not attract to our sport but put a positive impression on them um how do you educate at this stage well, I certainly think that, 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 that it's very encouraging that, that you're going to touch on the stand-up for racing thing uh, later on, that we have some of our best men on the job, the boy Blake and the boy Hoyles, uh, <laughs> doing, doing sterling work and will continue to do. They, they, they only do sterling work. So so that's great that you, you have someone on to, to counter that. And I thought, actually, Judy Harrington did pretty well in Good Morning Britain because when that lady was on from... Uh, Asian Dawn or Animal Rising, whatever they're called. <laughs> when she when she when she when she came on, the BHA tweeted that actually they weren't asked uh, to, to to put up a representative, which seems mm. a real failing from Good, Good Morning Britain. Because whenever I, I rarely watch the news, but whenever I do, they, if there isn't someone on, they'll say we asked a representative from such and such, and they declined to comment. So they so they weren't even asked, and I, I think they tacitly admitted that when they had Judy Harrington on a couple of days later. And I thought, in fairness to her, she did well, and she made a good point about the the Good Friday yard business to say we're not ashamed of this. We want people to come in and look at how the animals are, are treated, and the, the more the merrier. And we get uh, ma- massive crowds to it, so so that's all uh, all positive stuff. I have a kind of a it's a it's a weird counterintuitive thing. It's a, it, it's a bit like Kevin's watering. Uh, Kevin's watering. You want to have a lot of faith in weather forecasters. That's the only danger with that that it doesn't turn it that it doesn't turn into red marauder. Red marauder. <laughs> I, I have this. I have this half a counterintuitive thing that actually. The profile that the, the, the likes of uh, Animal uh, Rising are getting could help national hunt racing in terms of they tie it all into. Now, this is very existential stuff because one of the points they make, and it is true within like in, in the history of uh, animals, basically in the history of life on Earth, no uh, species has affected the ecosystem the way that homo sapiens have that basically changed the game completely and that that's never happened in history and that ties in to uh, industrial agriculture etc and they want to re- rewilding and everything and i'm not sure that the floating majority want to hear this they don't want to know where their dinner comes from they don't want to know how come food is so cheap it's remarkable this chicken only costs two quid how is this possible so if they tie it all in together with that and then the, the, their protests are also reminiscent of these people who glue themselves to roads. They could lose the silent majority who actually watch the Grand National for the thrills and spills and then move on and uh, watch another sport next week. So it's not impossible that the, the animal rising people could help racing. Interesting view. Interesting indeed. Um, as it's been mentioned, Kev, should we talk about your Stand Up For Racing project that was currently launched this week and you're obviously heavily involved in on your Twitter page. Stand Up For Racing has become the kind of spokesperson for our sport or sort of. And uh, the bio reads that you're standing up for for the racing and breeding industry in Europe and correcting false information about horse racing. Hashtag Stand Up For Racing. Um, Why have we got to a point where essentially a group of people not employed, not asked to do this by anyone, have to come together to stand up for racing. Surely that's the job of the, the BHA, Great British Racing, something along those lines, surely? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, to an extent. Look, look I understand that sometimes the, the, the representative bodies, the regulators, uh, can't be as robust as they'd like to be in these situations. You know, like the one I always recall is, is during the COVID shutdown in Irish racing. You know, everyone in Irish racing was saying, where HRI? Why aren't they fighting the battle? They were, but they were doing it behind closed doors because they're dealing with the government who, who fund them. You know, so politically, they couldn't be seen to be out on telly um, saying that the government were mad, not put racing on etc so look i understand that they can't always be as robust but um look that this was inspired by by um, an, an initiative in australia called kick up 
um, which has been doing really well there for the last um, maybe six months or so that, that are looking to to fill the same sort of role, which, which is basically just look a bunch of people that are, I suppose, professional communicators that, that love the game, that live for the game, um, that ho hopefully have an informed view and are willing to put themselves into the firing line on, on these mainstream outlets, which, which, you know, they can, they can be very tricky, um, unfortunately. Um, and to, to be able to present a voice for racing, you know, we're not, we're not representing anyone. We're, we're just trying to do a good job for the game as such. Um, mm. but it, it is, I think, an important thing because we, we've really seen it, um, in the last week because, geez, when some of our opponents are kind of given a free reign, you know, most of the mainstream broadcasters themselves wouldn't have the the domain knowledge to challenge what are often like completely false or, or ridiculous um, claims or suggestions. So it's important that we get on there and are able to uh, nice and politely let these people know and let the audience know what's what and mm. um and what's true what isn't true so look what we were putting together a team of um media people essentially um you would have seen myself do a bit and richard hoyles and we'll have a few more people um announced in the, in the coming days you know all, all tip top people um you know that that are that are that are giving up their time for nothing as we all are this there's nothing remotely commercial about this whatsoever um this is being driven by the reality that um, we all love this game dearly and want to be in it and, and and want to see it thriving, you know, for as long as we're around and hopefully well after that. Um, and the second thing we're looking to do is, which will take a bit more time, is um, is build a website there that'll be a resource for everyone in the game, um, full of you know facts, figures, debunking of of common misconceptions, um, statistics, etc. So that if anyone um, finds themselves in a situation where someone says something, you know. Um, ridiculous about horse racing and you want to counter it with the facts that you'll be able to go on this website find a section for whatever subject you're on and there it is bang bang um because um i suppose a, a great thing about racing is we've such a passionate following um and many of the listeners here will fit into that group and uh, as much as we try to do on the media side you know the best ambassadors we have generally are our passionate racing fans and if we can help arm them um, with with the right information and um, the right statistics, et cetera, for them to help fight the battle with us, then we'll, we'll be all the stronger. Um, because as we've been alluding to throughout this podcast, like we are under a bit of pressure, lads. Um, lots of measurables in this game are really strong and great, but there's pressure coming. It's only going to get worse. And we need to be on the front foot. We need to be defending what we love. Um, because the, these lads are coming and they don't give two continental shites about, about our game and we need to defend it and show them that we do. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because TC, we've sp I think we've like slightly touched on this before and compared, uh, you know, essentially, you know, horse racing uses horses for sport, entertainment, betting, etc. Mm. Um, other than the betting, those exact same comments apply for eventing and show jumping, yet... You'd, you'd never even, you know, the idea of a protester being at badminton or Olympia horse show is just completely fanciful. You wouldn't see a single person there with a negative thing to say. Mm. They've latched on to horse racing because, as you've already touched upon, um, the press and the publicity they're getting is so much higher than what it would be in regards to other horses being used in, in other sports, I guess. I think they think they've got an easy target here because horse racing wouldn't take place without betting so when they say oh it's it's purely a vehicle for uh for profiteering and uh, and betting you know they're effectively right but i mean they're wrong in so many other degrees just coming back to the stand up for racing i mean uh this kind of was this was accelerated from on the back of that great morning uh great uh morning britain piece on tuesday morning yeah uh, i tweeted about it before it was just about to happen i said look Tune in here. It's just going to happen. I hope Richard Madeley is well prepped here because there was no one on from the BHA and the Jockey Club there. They had a freelance broadcaster, used to be um, editor of the Daily Star, Dawn Neeson on, and she was just totally inadequate. And actually, the Animal Rising spokesman came across better than would you expected in the circumstances. Now, on the back of that, I got an email from someone at the Jockey Club. I won't say who it was. And they just said, can you give me a call? Um, you know, I wasn't going in uh, all guns blazing on Twitter on Tuesday morning, 
far from it. I just said it's a bit remiss that nobody from the BHE and the Jockey Club are on there. Now, the, when I rang up the person from the Jockey Club, I was expecting a bit of a row, but and he he couldn't have been more charming and just like really kind of like level about it. He just said, look, it was a bank holiday Monday. First I heard about it was at seven o'clock. I sent something through to them at 10.15 to use as a to use as a um a, a statement. And they didn't have, you know, obviously there were it's a Tuesday of, of Grand National the next morning, uh, Grand National meeting the next morning, which is two days before uh two days before the meeting starts. So they probably weren't in a position to to actually get out there and get on the front foot. So again, I think you have to give them a pass there, but and you have to you have to ask why somebody, some freelancer with no affiliation to horse racing was meant to be going on there to counter this. So I think that accelerated this. And when she came back to me on Twitter, uh, the Dawn Leeson, she said, he says something like, um, I didn't bite her head off, but she said, oh, well, you know, I'm, I've done my homework and my dad loved horse racing. Now, come on. Um, so, you know, and that's the kind of thing we're dealing with. So full play to, to Kevin and Richard who, who were coming out. Again, the, the, I just think we have to be wary because, you know, these animal rising people are going to up their game at some point. They are, there are weak points, as we've discussed in our sport, um, and we have to be prepared for someone who are better prepped than they have been so far. I mean, you know, for example, Sandy Thompson's comments on, on Saturday after the race, and, you know, my, ho- my horse was hyper, and he backtracked on this on, on the Five Live interview he, he gave to Nicky Campbell this morning. He just said, my horse was hyper. We had to really wash him down. We had to rush him to the start. You know, it's, you know, you know, someone from Adam Rises could easily turn around and say, well, well, actually, Sandy, why didn't you withdraw the horse if you were that worried about him? Um, so we've got to be mindful of that. And there, there is some, there are some people in the sport. I mean, there was an absolutely ludicrous tweet from Jason Heavey, who's the racing editor of the Daily Star and the Daily Mirror. He said, well, if you didn't like it, go for a walk. I mean, that's the attitude within the sport. We've got we've got to eradicate because you know that was as bad a take as you will ever get from from someone trying to defend their sport, of which he's a an editor of two national newspapers. Um, so I think not only we've got a guard against an improved, you know, more professional, you know, PR vehicle for manual rising, we've got we've got to eradicate the complacency that someone like Heafy articulated there from our own sport. Otherwise. It's going to get worse and not better. So, full, I mean, you couldn't get two better people than, than Kevin and Richard. I don't know who he's got lined up. Um, my phone must be on the blink, actually. But uh, <laughs> I am actually the worst person to actually go on that because I can see both sides of any argument. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, there is no such thing as a, you know, in history, all protests are anything but peaceful to actually get anywhere, going back to the suffragettes in, in the 1910s. So, I wouldn't be as dismissive of, of some because they might up their game. They might actually do some homework, you know, yeah, uh, and, and, and put up a better defence. So I think the, the more we were armed for that, the better. And Vanessa, uh, sorry, just, just something that TC touched on there that I want to, um, is important to say re- regards yeah. the stand up for racing thing. Like we're not there to be because we think X is doing a bad job or whatever. I have to say like the BHA and the Jockey Club are absolutely brilliant to us this, this week. They're pumping through information, uh, anything we asked for, we got, they couldn't have been more helpful. And, and that's generally being, being the team across the industry, like we're, we're getting unsolicited emails from all sorts of representative bodies and individuals, um, like, like from, from all around the world. It's actually, it's actually been fairly overwhelming. Like it's a bit nuts how quickly it's all happened, but, but it really does speak to, um, the, like the appetite that's there for a more robust defense of what we're doing because like well, we, we have a, a big industry with a lot of people that are very proud of it. That feel we don't have anything to be ashamed of and, and want us to be a little bit more chest out and, and and meet these fellas head on a bit more so and um, look hopefully we, we can do and um, look this is obviously what this would always be the busiest week we, we, we'd ever put down um in the racing year but look i think we, we have some ideas and that there's hopefully going to be a lot of um good positive things to come from this just very Sorry, sorry, sorry just one if anything and I'm, I'm sure the wheels are in motion on this already if they're not they bloody should be I mean, Great British Racing should be funding your website, and they should. Yeah, be, they must they think they be, hit the Klondike here to to, to get all this free labour. <laughs> yeah, 
mean, like, yeah, the, well, Great British Racing is, is about anything. I mean, I'm not going to go on to their budgets they've spunked or whatever. Well, they, they've got anything. It has to be. Their, their number one priority on the back of this should be getting his bloody website up and running. Yeah, and look, something as well is, is we, we want this to be we want this to be neutral. We want this to sail under a neutral flag because look, we know what this game is like, you know, various media organizations, various representative bodies that don't that are rivals, etc. And there can be a bit of a blackout in certain sectors if some someone else supports something, you know, you know, you know what I mean? So like we want this to be something that everyone can lash in behind. Um, regardless of who they work for, or who who they're aligned to, you know that's yeah. important too. I think. I um I obviously just like prepping for this podcast had a quick look and I typed into Google, uh, what does Great Great British Racing do? I think is the question I just put in just to see what you know the bare <laughs> fact answer is, and the reply the Google said Great British Racing is British Horse Racing's official marketing and promotional body. Our aim is to grow interest and participation in the sport. Well, if they stand by that, as TC says, they've got to get stuck into supporting Kevin's current project, essentially, surely. Well, it's, 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 and it's not mine. It's not mine. It, no, it's, no, it's no one's it's, 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 it's no one's really. There's a there's a there's a handful of us there yeah. that are that are that are trying to turn the screws, but this 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 is for everyone, really. Yeah. You know, we, 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 this isn't about any individual. No, of course, no, no. I, I yeah, yeah. Next um, point stands clearly. Yeah, we um got as I've already said, we've got so many questions on the national. Hopefully, we've covered plenty of the topics that were brought up by the likes of Stuart, Rover Joyce, David Parry, Go Connor, Ed Johnson, uh, Damian Wright, and Andrew Lord have already had name checks. The Jamie Goodwin. Godwin uh, brings up a good question because he asked, Corrick Rambler has won the Grand National after just 13 starts under rules. Also, chuck in two Cheltenham Festival handicap wins. Have we ever seen a better campaign handicapper? And Brendan, let's actually talk about Corrick Rambler now. Yes, uh, yeah. Some effort by the team, right, to pull this off in the way that they have with the horse they have being so well in. I mean, you can't do anything but applaud that sort of I've, handicap. I've, I've, I know the horses, the, the, the horses are helping him in fairness. I mean, he's the anti-Jeremy. I love backing Jeremy horses because they're cheek tough, put their head down, and they, they, you know, they run through walls for you, as Aidan would say about a Galileo. I saw this horse win a novice chase in Cheltenham, and I thought, he'll never win another race again if he's already turned set. What a judge I am, by the way. If he's already, if he's already turned set, if he's already turned sour at this stage, like he was basically, it, it was my bite ask what he was, what he was doing that day. And you can't be in front too soon from, I'm not going to criticize Derek Fox because they, I mean, the horse just tanked through the race. He absolutely bolted up, but he probably feels like he wasn't in front a, a bit too soon. But he, yeah, he, he definitely had be because uh, of his run style that he can't be in front too soon. That that has helped them. And I mean, in fairness, I was just wrong about the horse, wasn't I? Despite that rancid head carriage, he's put a head in front of two Cheltenham festivals and now in a Grand National. So you just have to salute the horse and salute, as you said, the, the job the connections have, have done and uh, just realise that predicting the future is hard. And just because I'm not doing a very good job of it at the moment, we shouldn't panic. um tc he never missed the beat really did he other than when a horse got kind of in his way or maybe put him off a fraction he when you watch him when you watch back the replay and just pin your eyes to the winner Corrick rambler that is the way to jump around the national some effort by him and his jockey yeah i mean you expect to see him uh, in his races where vanillier and gayard de manil but yeah he he, he was i looked at the race and i just I looked at it back and, you know, he was he was fourth or fifth very, very early doors, wasn't he? So, yeah, I mean, one thing that really stuck out throughout the week is, like, if you're looking for two kind of, like, ambassadors for the sport in racing, I, I said before that trainers are probably the worst advocates mm-hmm. to, or, and the worst people to, to, to you know, re- wheel out in front of the press about that, but I will make an exception for Lucinda Russell and Peter Scudwell. They're just absolute gold. Uh, no. uh, and not only are they they great um i, t- I tell you a story i mean the first time i'd met them probably it was um betfair in there in london in hammersmith they were doing something for sports aid that day and um 
Lucinda Russell and Peter Scudmore came all the way down from Scotland for the day. And the abiding memory there is they were so easy. It means they were just like kissing and hugging on, on in the grass outside. So natural uh, and, and such brilliant. And not only that, they're brilliant trainers. I mean, there are only, I think they had two winners, didn't they? Um, Apple away, correct, Rambler. And there are only, yeah. there, and the other, two others are Hoy Senor um, and the handicapper, whose name escapes me, starts with D. Um, but they traded odds on him running. It's, you know, they could have easily come over with, with four well, with four winners there. And, you know, I was surprised when she said she had over 120 horses. I mean, that outfit is a real coming force. Um, and the way they've handled Correct Rambler is is just sublime, isn't it? Obviously, they put him away after the uh, the Coral Gold Cup run, one at Cheltenham, did mm-hmm. it there. It's it's a, you know, it's a, probably a Gold Cup horse in waiting, isn't it? Well, it's not. It's probably a rise as a Gold Cup horse. <laughs> um TC's covered the sort of trainer and Peter Scudamore angle, and we love seeing all of that. But I, I, I also want to touch on Kev Derek Fox, who doesn't come across. I think it's fair to say he's not one that's sort of a natural in front of the camera. It's hard to get a handle on the sort of person that he is. His his character, I don't think, comes across that well. He's not someone who naturally is brilliant in front of the camera. Um, but never mind any of that, you know, his his ability to commit to that ride, knowing that he'd be fit enough for the national not to ride apples away the day before, not to ride any of the other runners throughout the week to sit and wait. Despite the fact that Peter Scudamore, I think, basically had an argument with him on Friday that he should be riding to have that commitment in your mind and then to pull it off in such a way. We know you need luck in the national, but that is some effort from him, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty punchy now, pretty punchy. And I could understand why connections might have been a small bit apprehensive. Um, but look, it, it worked. Fair play to him, fair play to them. Wonderful people, as TC says. And look, this is, you know, what is such a rare thing in national hunt racing now. This is one of the, a good old-fashioned fairy tale, isn't it? £17,000 out of an Irish point to point. Like that's yeah. that's throwaway money in in those markets, you know. They just point to point winners just don't change hands for that money, and uh, you know, seven people that never met each other um, bought a seventh each, you know, including a um, a student chap that we heard from a good bit through the week, like an, an incredible story, um, you know, one that we don't get to see nearly enough of nowadays compared to what we did you know 20 30 years ago like proper fairy tale stuff mm-hmm. and a proper racehorse like i say that this i wouldn't be shocked if this fellow was a gold cup horse to be brutally honest because you just don't know what's in there and he keeps winning when it matters and he's winning with his mouth open to my eye his head <laughs> up and his mouth open like yeah. he's, he's completely taken the michael um so yeah look long may he prosper i hope he stays sound and we get to see the, the full extent of what he can do but already this has been some story some trainer performance um, yeah, my, my, if I had a hat, I'd take it off. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. And as TC said, the warmth and charm that comes across mm. every time Lucinda Russell and Peter Scudamore in front of the telly. It's the little thing, and they, yeah, they turn up in their camper van and, and with, the with, the, with the dogs. Yeah, oh, <laughs> just absolutely sickening, isn't it? I hate it. <laughs> These happy oh, people infesting my TV. Go away. <laughs> it's, like the, it's like the it's like the Brady Bunch version of of um, Hen and Terry Biddlecombe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and when they're you know doing their FaceTime interviews on various different outlets, and they've got him there, and you know Peter's talking about him as if he's a pet, like a what, like a, not a racehorse but a pet. I just I, I love it. And they they do giggle with each other when they're talking, like little little teams, yeah, yeah, don't yeah. they? It is. It's great. Yeah. It's it's such a pity there was so much other rubbish around the race now because that was as good a as good a feel good story as we've had in the national for a while, you know. And it it might maybe didn't get quite enough. It didn't get as much as it deserved because of all the other. I, and I forgot. I forgot about Peter Scudamore's association with other Grand National winners as well. I totally forgot about all that. I think um, uh, just because we're going to have to move on, but um, Gina Bryce was working for Five Live on Saturday and she was stood down by the rail because she does the, you know, the interviews. And so she stood down by the rail and I think she was stood next to Tom Scudamore and she said, I had to move away from him. Like he was beyond the pale of nerves. Like he literally was just beyond, beyond, beyond. And she was like, I actually had to move away from him so that I could just focus because his nerves were transmitting to everyone around him. Um, We are going to touch upon some of the grade one performances from the week, Brendan, but it was a final farewell to Davy Russell. 
He got the goodbye he deserves. He's retired from the saddle at the second time of asking. Mm. And he managed to win a couple of grade ones at Aintree and go out on somewhat of a high. Um, you know, an incredible, like when you look into what he's done in the saddle, like 22 festival wins, uh, Irish champion jockey a few times, a couple of Irish Gold Cups, a couple of nationals, of course. But above all else, I think the thing with Davy is a joy to watch in the saddle over fences, a natural horseman, more of a natural horseman. I cannot point out in the current era of riding, just a complete natural on the back of a horse. And he's been a great character for our game to follow and get stuck into over the years. Yes, he is a character, isn't he? I mean, you're never sure what he's going to say because he can turn quite taciturn at times and then come out with a zinger out of nowhere. I think you summed it up very well. Just a hugely talented jockey and a joy to watch in his positioning in races. He was never afraid to go down the inside either. Take take a break. I can remember plenty of times back in horses that he rode and just been basically delighted with how conscious he was of ground saving because I'm as a punter very conscious of ground saving as well but I realise <laughs> it's a risky strategy uh, so so yeah I'm delighted for him and I mean there was a lot of upheaval around his, his first retirement and it came around the time of Cheltenham previews that he wasn't able to fully commit the way he has in previous years but I think that now that's all the past him he'll probably manage to break the record for Cheltenham previews in 2024 oh I would expect <laughs> so. and hope so yeah no, yeah. And he'll be and he'll be even more good company than ever because of course he won't have a single bias. He can say whatever mm. he wants now. He's not trying to keep owners happy, trainers happy, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. He, he so, can be he can be eating again. <laughs> yeah, he'll he'll be great. He'll be great value for those that get him booked early. And yeah, yeah. I mean the spread. David got- Jennings just said, "Hold my beer." <laughs> <laughs> I know it was brilliant Vanessa wasn't it because Cheltenham was just would have been a horrendous way to see him off um, I was deeply annoyed with him obviously post Cheltenham after Pipe Piper but uh, you know we, 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 go, we, we, we knew we knew that, that we knew that that wasn't him that he look he was physically compromised and I'd say I'd say if the full details ever come out as to kind of what he was riding through there um, come out like I'd say you, you know I'd say he was doing something fairly bananas there but look he, he took his time he waited until entry he came back he got two grade one winners one of them on national day um, for when you put together a career like Davy has um, you, you, you love to see it don't you you love to see a fella getting a good send off like that we've been very lucky the last few years you know after a few not so nice ones like like Mick Fitz you know having his career ended in, in the national mm-hmm. you know we've had some big big operators that have had nice endings on the track, you know, your McCoy, your Ruby, um, you know, less so Garrity because it was a, it was a COVID year, I believe. Um, but, you know, we, we, we had a whole bunch that have had a nice on their own terms um, and Davies case riding the winner on the day, big winner. So yeah, magic, the very best of luck to him in his retirement. TC, shall we discuss some of the performances on the track away from the Grand National? Yeah. Uh, Let's kick off with Shishkin, who is now four to one for the King George next season and 12 to one for the Gold Cup, having won the Aintree Bowl, obviously running down a hoist in in the closing stages. Hell of a run by the seconds. But has Shishkin just become lazy in recent times? Like, I mean, he really isn't the sort of racehorse he was a couple of seasons ago. He's a very different beast now. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know whether they'll consider blinkers. I suspect they might, um, but yeah, I mean, guys, I, mean, I was one of the people who, you know, who poo-pooed the people that said he should have been going for the Gold Cup and not the Ryanair, and mm. um, I'm not sure he would have beaten the winner. But you know, given that he's run style in winning on um, last week, you suggest that you know the Gold Cup was probably exactly where he's going to go via the King George next year. So yeah, um, maybe they'll put. Blinkers on him to sharpen him up, but yeah, he, in terms of talent, he's he's bang up there alongside Brave Man's game, and not that far behind Galapond de Um Brendan Shishkin is currently eight to one. Uh, no, sorry, twelve to one for the Gold Cup. Meanwhile, Jerry Colom, who obviously won the Mild May over the three miles one furlong, um, sort of writing the wrong of Cheltenham, should we say, is eight mm. to one for the Gold Cup. Who would you prefer to back at those prices? 12 Shishkin. Oh, definitely Jerry Colomb. Sorry, definitely Jerry Colomb. I'm with you with Shishkin. There's something, I mean, 
that uh, Ascot performance just stands out more and more with the run of, of, of Pick Dory. I mean, that was just a savage performance. But then he goes out the next day uh, in the Ryanair and he has to be roused to the long from the start. I mean, some engine, of course, as we observed, he, he, he still managed to finish second. But again, his jumping was middling enough in, in, in entry. Um, he still managed to get it done and found a, a wicked jump at the last. But how can a horse who's won a Supreme, who's been a top-notch two-mile chaser, suddenly could turn into a horse who can't lay up with them over three miles. Now, in fairness, that a, I, well, indeed, I, I, I see I wanted to do that too. But, I mean, that, that a hoist in your, um, he's, he's some mystery of a horse, isn't he, in fairness, because he must have a massive engine too to make any engine. mistakes. You know, that he didn't make a calamitous mistake, but he made a series of mistakes and he's just kept finding a way uh, to keep going. He jumped so much better, curiously enough, in the Gold Cup, but, but it, that, he ended up on the floor. So if he ever puts it all together, he's some beast as well. But I'm not sure I fully trust, Sh- uh, trust Shishkin, should I say, with just the, 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 way, the, the way it's so hard to know what he's going to do in a race from one race to the next. Whereas this Jerry Kalam. I mean, this is this is this is just an absolute beast. He's made for the Gold Cup. The way he jumped uh, in entry, it was just a savage performance. Put them to the sword so easily. Um, I think maybe the old course in Cheltenham mightn't be as bag tight enough and, and and turning just to give him a pass. And also that the real Whacker's a very good horse as well. But Jerry Colombi, you think he's going to eat up the extra two and a half furlongs in the Gold Cup? Uh, he, he's a common force. I take the point that he's maybe been a little bit lucky to have soft ground at two spring festivals this year, but we don't know that he won't be as effective on better ground. And we don't know that it w- won't be soft ground in Cheltenham next year. Um, the, uh, obviously, the Very reigning true. champ is an absolute beast. And if, if he gets there in the same shape as this year, he's going to take all the beating. But Jerry Colomb, as a, as, as a solid option, stepping up and trip going to improve again next year I could see him going very close in a goal cup right very positive note from Brendan in regards to Jerry Klom uh, let's move on to all things Constitution Hill Kev steps up to the entry hurdle trip wins pretty impressively really at one stage it looked like it was going to be a mammoth length victory down the back straight that didn't quite come out that way in the end but very cozy at the line he's unchanged at seven to four for the arkle and he's six to four for the champion hurdle obviously we have no idea what he's going to do next season at this stage kev but focusing in on that entry hurdle uh run what did you think coming away from it were you a little bit deflated or were you positive um... with him it was nothing really. Um, like it, it was, it was his, you know, his worst performance of the year. It's hard to keep doing what he's doing. He beat Charge and Zana here by three lengths and, three, and a half length, you know. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be getting super excited about it. Um, his damage was done earlier in the season when he was so impressive at, at Cheltenham and before that. What they do with him next season? Look, my view remains the same. I, I'd make still make him well odds on to um, to stay hurdling. Um, and and that is what it is. I fully understand it. I'd probably do the same thing myself if I owned them. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't think there was loads to take from that now, unless lads have something. Well, TC, I think you tweeted something that got a bit of a con. Oh, I think it was a little bit controversial and got quite the reaction, didn't you? Well, not really. I mean, I didn't read it properly. I just said if he was ever going to get beat over hurdles, that was he yeah. was probably at his most vulnerable that day. I don't think mm. remotely yeah. controversial. I. Looking at that race a couple of times, I'm not sure he had that much left in the tank. I mean, mm. I know you shouldn't, you know, talk about the betting beforehand and stuff, but I mean, this horse was four to one to win by 20 lengths or above. He was he was smashed in to win, to odds on, to win by over 10 lengths. Uh, and I just thought Nico was nursing him around all the way. He didn't go through the race at any point with, with some of the zest and the power that he had done previously. Uh, ah, he did. Turned him for home. You thought he was going to win 20 lengths. He jumped. So did like, I he, wing, he wing turns. He was traveling all over them. I don't know what happened up the straight. I know you don't want to take too much out of a horse winning uh, on the bridle, but is there, is there any chance he ran out of stamina, Tony? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, a lot of people were saying, and I think Nicky Henderson said as well, isn't he? He said, you know, you, you might be a bit worried about going up to King George and Gold Cup trips, and, and that's the one reason why he might be kept over hurdles. I mean, Henderson said, if I can't win a gold cup with him, I don't want to send him chasing kind of thing. But no, I was, I said, it's, you have to be careful about the language you use. But yeah, I was underwhelmed by it. And like I said, if if there was a 170 rated hurdler against him up there, and I know, you know, aunties and uncles and all that, 
Uh, I'd think like if he was ever going to get chinned over hurdles, last week was the day. Okay, I am conscious of time because Kev uh, needs to fly off for his next holiday, which he richly deserves after this weekend. This week just They're going to Newmarket, Vanessa. Uh, (laughs) I I hear Stand Up Uh, Racing's having his first AGM in Barbados. Yeah, funny that. On Tuesday. Funded by Great British Racing. Anyway. uh, God Street's there as well. (laughs) He's the freebie king. Obviously, special mentions to the likes of He's a lovely man. Pig Dory, <laughs> who we've already spoken about. Uh, Apple Away obviously won the Sefton for the Russell team. Well done, TC, with that. And also, I mean, we don't have the time because we, we do have other topics to discuss. Hell of a week for Team McManus. Side of Burley, in the pocket, John Bond, Zenta, taking home a good clutch of grade ones there. I thought that was very impressive from all of them. But we need to move on because, as one of the questions brings up, we had a question from Rich in regards to Aces Full. Uh, Rich has asked, what kind of precedent, if any, is set by the withdrawal of Aces Full? Now, of course, this is the horse trained by Sean Curran, who was withdrawn by the BHA um, before running at Exeter due to some pretty, what they thought was strange betting patterns. Um, Pre the National, this was a big talking point in racing this week, TC, we better come to you first because just just expand on what happened here and why the horse was withdrawn and what precedent does it set? Well, the horse hadn't run since October. It was back from 14 to 1 to 9 to 4 to win at Exeter last Tuesday. Uh, The BHA interviewed Sean Curran an hour hour before the race. Uh, And then two minutes before the race, when the horse was parading, um, they took... forced him to withdraw it on the advice of the BHA integrity department. Now, afterwards, the BHA have come out and just said, look, basically they quoted a, a rule, a subsection of rule that basically allows them to do whatever they want, a catch-all rule for integrity purposes. So that obviously threw up more questions than it that answers quite clearly. So whether or not they didn't think, you know, the it was owned by the right person or 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 it was trained by Sean Curran or whatever, we're all guessing. Uh, but uh, it was a curious one. And, and and the logical thing that people were saying is, you know, if you are pulling it out purely because of the betting, you didn't like the you didn't like the look at the betting, and Brendan will, 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 will advance on the what actually goes on behind the scenes with bookmakers. If you are taking out that, people made the obvious point is, well, if a horse drifts from 9 to 4 to 14 to 1, should be should be the BHE integrity department be having a word with the stewards on the day and get them to pull that out. But it's kind of it's can of worms times a hundred. This one, I don't, and I think in these circumstances, the BHE need to come out and actually give a specific reason without going into in depth. Obviously, that's what the inquiry is about about why that horse was pulled and why it was pulled two minutes before the race. Okay, Brendan, do you have anything more to add? Because I am being told to wrap up this show. Oh, yeah. Just, uh, just, 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 sorry, Vanessa, just a very a quick quick point, because I talked to someone about this. I didn't understand uh, that. I know that the bookmakers, of course, liaise with the authorities uh, about suspicious gambling, but I didn't know that it, oftentimes they'll tell them in advance of uh, when the horses are running. And they mentioned that this horse was in a double with a horse who won later on that day in uh, Wolverhampton. And somehow the person from the BHA has taken this information and decided that we'll withdraw one of the horses, not both of the horses, but we'll make this unprecedented decision to withdraw the first one. And I'm not suggesting that the bookies thought that was going to happen. This is just something they do routinely. They might say it before the race, they might say it after the race. Um, But they they did on, on this occasion and they withdrew the first horse. And like Tony says, I think you need a better reason than just, oh, it was an integrity issue. Uh, you, you know, that's just that's just the reason uh, we're not telling you anymore. I mean, because it's, it's a big deal. Like this is part of the thing uh, post Barney Curley, where the the, the, the hair always that has, has to stay ahead of the hounds. So some gambles were in multiples as opposed to in singles. And we've seen like they're very difficult to pull off, but people have tried every so often. Someone will try. But now, what do you do if you're trying to pull a stroke now that involves multiple horses when they can just pull the horse out? Before the race, it doesn't seem fair to me, and I'd like to know the reason why. Just, just very. I know we got time, but it's very. The second leg of that gamble actually won beating a Sean Curran horse, if, if memory serves. 
So yeah. what was it? I knew I knew it won. I didn't know what it beat. Right? Mm. Okay. Uh, okay. Like I said, they so they have to come out and say that. And pulling it out two minutes before the race is just bizarre. Bit more information needed, please. Um, that wraps up our show, guys. Uh, I know we've rattled through a few topics and missed a couple of big talking horses, but we can't be here all day. And it was a very big week. And we wanted to give the national its due coverage. Uh, thank you, lads, as always. We will be back on Thursday with Racing Only Better ahead of another big week end of jump racing action. And in the meantime, enjoy the week, guys. Gamble responsibly. Thank you very much for tuning in, as always. That was Wade In. <laughs>